Hi, Matt here. All Things Cozy is hibernating until September, when we'll return with fresh new cozy topics. Until then, we'll be re-airing some listener favorites. This week, we're traveling back to a blessed time when new Paddington movies were being released, and Kevin T. Porter from the Good Christian Fun podcast dropped by to discuss just why we can't get enough of that exceedingly polite British bear. And when I think back to this episode, what I remember the most is the horrible marmalade sandwiches that we all ate before recording. I thought it'd be a cute idea because Paddington loves marmalade sandwiches, his favorite thing in the world, that I'd make them for our guest and for Jillian. Terrible. I hate marmalade, and I learned that from this episode. We touched on it briefly, but I don't think we quite got into just how wretched and bitter it was. But while the marmalade was bitter, this episode is extraordinarily sweet. Please enjoy it. Episode 27, Paddington, with Kevin T. Porter. Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Joining us today to discuss the extremely cozy film franchise, Paddington, is Kevin Porter. You know him from Good Christian Fun, Maisel Goys, and the Gilmore, Go- Gilmore Goys. <laughs> the Gilmore Goys. The Gilmore, <laughs> the Gilmore Guys. Welcome, Kevin Porter. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, the coziest podcast I've ever done. In all my days, they set me up with a beautiful chair and a wonderful ottoman. I got my feet up. I got a Barry LaCroix to my right. It is it is a good time here. And some marmalade when you stepped in the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did do a little sampler plate. Do you guys want to talk about that? Okay, I made marmalade sandwiches (laughs) in honor of Paddington, because Paddington, as you know is a bear who loves marmalade. And I had never had it before. And so I was very curious just to see if it was mm-hmm. at all tasty. And sure. um, my verdict is no. I hate, I, I'm sorry to say I really dislike marmalade. It's on the bitter side, but Matt made them with such care and love that <laughs> can't, It was can't very resist. polite of him to make yes. them, for sure. Well, I'll be, be is... polite to me when I throw them on, in the trash as soon as you're gone. Too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think maybe uh, without getting too deep into it, that is the one flaw of the whole franchise is Marmalade is not easy to make and not mm-hmm. that delicious, according well, to me. Well, you tried to make it yourself. I did, and it ended up being uh, so bad, and the texture was all wrong. It was less like a jelly and more mm-hmm. like a really runny smoothie, <laughs> if you can imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we kept just dumping more sugar in it, like, maybe it'll <laughs> eat yeah. it out, but it did not help. It did not work. Was it sweet? Uh, kind of, but the texture made it unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it became so sweet that the flavor was negligible. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it was like, eh, we tried to put it on toast, but it wasn't that good. See, I used Trader Joe's marmalade, and maybe that was my mistake. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not like the oh, best. Oh, you didn't make possibly. it from scratch. I didn't make it from scratch. Oh, no. Okay, gotcha. I'd be really sad if I spent all that time. <laughs> Making marmalade and then I only said for it I to loved taste it like if that, that was the case. Yeah. You would have been as sad as I was when I did that. <laughs> that exact thing. The extra step of smearing it on bread just made it 
would make it extra sad to mm-hmm. me. Did you did you go that did you actually or did you just dump it out? Yeah, we put it on toast and then yeah. we tried mm-hmm. and then it just wasn't yeah, it was no good. My but, friend Chelsea and I. Yeah. But you have a supply now just in case of emergency you have it under some hats in your apartment mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. just in case I, I go out and think i'm about to have a very whimsical day <laughs> or when the big one hits yeah <laughs> that's right yeah. the big one yeah. being like what a tidal wave or like a heart attack well, earthquake. earthquake oh yeah. i see yes 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 you'll Wait, be all set. is that what we in california call the earthquake is yeah, the, the big, big one? one i've never thought of it that mm-hmm. way but now that's all i'm gonna think about the big one. I've never <laughs> said yeah. that in my head. Lighting week at night, waiting for that big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jillian. Come on, big one. <laughs> the sweet, sweet release of the big one. Yeah. yeah, see, that's what I associate it with more mm-hmm. than an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's, it's our big God that will take us, take us away from this hellscape mm-hmm. that is modern life. One can only hope. But there are cozy elements to our modern life, which we will dwell on today and not mm-hmm. the horror elements of, of modern living. Uh, to steer it back into cozy territory. But don't you think focusing on positives makes you complicit in evil, <laughs> as has been told to me several <laughs> times on the internet? Jillian Complicit Walters. That's right, which is actually why we're canceling today's topic, and we'll just be screaming into microphones for a solid hour. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, it is, it's so, yeah, and we will get into mm-hmm. it, guys, we will. But it is, like, frustrating because it's all you can think about. Mm -hmm. It's all that consumes Mm -hmm. your mind. And so you feel dumb to just like focus like on this thing that you want to do and you want to talk about that is positive and good and light. But yeah, it's just like this tension that we carry around with us all the time. Yeah. We like, we talked about addressing that when we first started all the, all the fun stuff going on, but we just decided we want to, you know, focus on the cozy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, and I'm with you. Focus on the cozy 24-7. You're not complicit in evil. This is a good thing. Because I think for people listening to this, too, they probably want to focus on the cozy as right, well. Yeah, right? it's, it's a little bit of an escape. You know, we almost recalled the cozy resistance. It was almost the title of this <laughs> I podcast. I can't even go back to the names that we had. <laughs> the cozistance. I, what do they have? The, the cozy showsy? The cozy showsy. <laughs> cozy showsy I, I kind of regret not cozy going queers. with that one. Cozy Queers is good. It, it would definitely mm-hmm. make it clear that we're gay. Cozy Shows <laughs> you know? is good, that's though. their main focus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only cozy gay content. I don't have an identity outside of that. Yeah. Just gay. Is, yeah, is cozy content mostly, like, in, in retrospect, is it a lot, is there a lot of intersection with gay content as well? Like, when you look back at stuff and, like, the 80s and 90s and 70s. Like, I think of something like Murder, She Wrote or oh, Golden yes. Girls, and it seems like there'd be a good amount of overlap with that. Oh, for sure. But also, cozy is just nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And so for any gay person, I don't want to paint with a broad brush or anything, but like I, f- for me anyway, like that is nostalgia for me. And so that's cozy. Sure. And, it, and it's gay. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think for other people, like I'm sure they're, whatever gets them going mm-hmm. in a nostalgic way is not gay, but... But what what is the uh, what would the distinction be between cozy and nostalgia? Because I've heard of like cozy novel, like mystery novels, like a cozy oh, yeah. murder mystery where it's like she used the knitting needles or something <laughs> like that. That would probably be an example, right? right? It's like a feeling. It's an an atmosphere that you create. Security. It's an essence. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's an a essence. spirit that you know it when you feel it. Yeah, I like that. I think I think it's being um, I, I think why nostalgia is cozy is also because there's like security and thinking about when you're a child and taken care of. And so I think I think it really is just sort of a feeling of being safe 
in mm-hmm. an oh my unpredictable gosh. world. On the way here, I was listening to an album that I listened to a bunch when I was a kid. And there was one song in particular that came on that I hadn't listened to in probably like 10 or 15 years. And I was just like, oh, I feel safe right now. Yeah. It was wild how, how powerful it was. Yeah, you're visiting a moment. Mm-hmm. And even if you weren't feeling cozy back in that time or feeling good or whatever, just the thought of something familiar. Yeah, the total sense memory of that age. Yeah. Of like, I was, I was 11 years old at one point. And you were, even if you were miserable, like in your team listening mm-hmm. to that, whatever, it's still going back to that safe space because mm-hmm. you were, like you said, we're in, you know, in your youth and that's just a safer spot to be. And that's cozy Typically. music. <laughs> do yep. you guys have a cozy playlist on Spotify? Yet? We do Dido. have a cozy playlist. We do? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> nice. And nice. yeah, Dido, you name it all. <laughs> Every- <laughs> Every, it's just all Enya, really. Mm-hmm. Enya and the um, Rescue Rangers theme. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you get Enya to do the Rescue Rangers theme? We've, multiple letters have been We've sent already. We've reached out. Rescue yeah. <laughs> Rangers. That'd it's a really long theme song. I know. So. <laughs> I'm still trying to get funding for my Enya Broadway jukebox mus- musical. So <laughs> that's still something I need to happen. The overlap. I remember my buddy growing up. Speaking of cozy stuff, it would it was a huge booklet of CDs back when it was like this is the most efficient oh, way to I store that, music. Yeah. Carrying four pounds of, of discs around with you, huge mm-hmm. booklets. And the two he had that uh, I always got mixed up in my head, but he was like real distinct in his taste with them. Were Sarah Brightman and Inya, <laughs> and they go together really and, well. And uh, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Alina McKinnon was that one. That, was that she a lady? escapes me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who she Something is. Something McKinnon, someone like that. Anyway, so Inya's a cozy for sure. <laughs> She's a cozy gal. She is. Um, well, speaking of cozy, let's go into discussing what's making us feel cozy this week. Would anyone... Was that a sound? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that was a purring cat, right? Or is it the roaring fire? I can't, we they, can never they melt tell. together. We can't really discern. I was so relaxed, I literally couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, We've had some disagreements over the sounds. It did. I was like, ah, oh, I'm just here right now. I'm just existing. That was a cat purr. So what's making me feel cozy this week is Pokemon Go. To the Again. Pulse. Uh, yeah. What was that? To the Pulse. <laughs> to the Pulse? Pokemon Go to the Pulse. Oh, God, to the Pulse, yeah. I think you said to the Pulse. <laughs> to the That's pulse. what I thought, too. I was confused. But is that a new chance? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Squirtle. <laughs> Listen, every summer I start playing Pokemon Go again. This is, I guess this summer is no exception. Mm-hmm. And really it's because they started releasing a new form of Pokemon. So it's like a... A new twist on an old classic. So they have like the Kettle same... corn Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they have these Alolan forms, which are like these like Hawaiian tropical island versions uh-huh. of the original 150 Pokemon. Yeah. And they're adorable. Yeah. But you can only get them by hatching eggs in the app. And so I'm getting all of these eggs and I'm just walking around like a madman trying to get <laughs> these very pretty digital Pokemon. Sure. Anyway, I'm having the time of my life. It's really fun. And you've kept it up from year to year. That's such an impressive thing because most of us were just bandwagoners in mm-hmm. 2016 or whenever it oh, was, yeah. and we haven't looked back since. D- don't you worry that all of your Pokemon are starving in the app? Well, and it's like the Tamagotchi like, thing, like, right? You know, yeah, the same thing with Neopets. Like, oh, yeah, what, Neopets. What's happening to those, oh. our digital pets that we've abandoned? They've all starved to death. Yeah. <laughs> They've all starved to death, for sure. 
But that's a lesson we all need to learn at some point in our mm-hmm. lives. Is like your pets are gonna die; mm-hmm. they'll all die, even, and, even the immortal digital ones. Yes, because <laughs> listen, the cloud won't stay there forever. The cloud's got to part sometime. What I really love about Pokemon Go now, though, is and I because I feel like this update because they just incorporated friends, so you can have friends in the app now. It's social; you can trade. You I can thought you were gonna say before. Chandler and Ross and Phoebe were Pokemon now. You, no. can, you can name them that if you <laughs> wanted to. You can always friends. incorporate your favorite sitcom personalities into mm-hmm. your Pokemon. But I feel like I'm recapturing the spirit of 2016, that like beautiful time when we were about to have our first female president, and everyone was just going around. Like crazy. Running around the streets. Yeah, like playing a silly game. And mm-hmm. it felt like the world is going in an amazing direction. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it did feel all of that ilk. And obviously, yeah. I will forever associate Pokemon Go with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Because I, of the infamous rally. <laughs> <laughs> that was like I, like a, a, a master class in, in transparent pandering. And, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've well, ever seen. Well, that was the reason I day. voted, actually. It was, she Just didn't really, I wasn't sure. Same. I was going to vote for What's-His-Face and tell that rally i was like well, she gets it i'm yeah. voting for her i'm with her <laughs> she gets the zeitgeist i'm with the, you know whoever's with pikachu i'm with them <laughs> um but yeah so that's that's what's making me feel cozy this week pokemon go i i publicly my friend yeah, code is online so put a call out on twitter so yeah so you have any... come be my friend yeah. um i desperately need gifts on the app so um please give me gifts? free things gifts so you, you give gifts to uh, your friends on pokemon go now and you get special like Pokeballs and eggs that hatch into Pokemon, and it's it's really wow. cool. Well, if you want to give me gifts in real life, I'm Kevin T. Porter <laughs> on Venmo, and uh, I'll accept whatever cash you want to send my way. What else is making us feel cozy? Well, I was on Long Island this past week or so. Oh, yep, <laughs> yep. That's a, Long Island's a real cozy place. Uh, go on for days talking about the coziness. Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. You know me. Mm-hmm. Your favorite uh, artist. Uh, yeah. Anytime I, chance I get, you know, belted out my Billy Joel greatest hits. Well, don't spoil her cozy celebrity. She's going to say oh, Billy yeah. Joel. Later. I was holding on to that. Mm-hmm. I love, love going to estate sales with my mom. Uh-huh. And some of them, we've, we've encountered one really morbid one. I know some people probably view them as morbid because they can be, as in my experience. But I just love finding an estate sale in the paper, going, maybe finding a really great treasure, or even not, but just sifting through all these little trinkets and whatnot and finding some, like a gem that makes my day. Just like a, something unexpected um, and just going on the hunt. Something I like. And yeah. Enjoy. Do you like kind of sifting through it and putting together a narrative of what that person's life must have been like? Oh, I mean, definitely. Just going through all the different, the rows of stuff. It's just nice to imagine Do they, how do they, they give it. you details about who it belonged to before you go? Do they like hand you a pamphlet when you walk in? Like, this was Teresa's crap. Like, we're selling it now. Well, the only time there was a backstory was when we went to this one huge house and it looked like the people just left unexpectedly it was just almost as if a time capsule the 90s and there's even a wedding dress hanging up and creepy it was yeah, I, that's what i'm talking about it can be Julie, a little morbid were, were you so in the cozy. haunted mansion but it, it and there was some i guess some tragedy in the family and they they told us that but that was that's the only time i really got on a backstory most of the time it's fun did and you, you solve just, the mystery I did some online sleuthing after I got a little bit and pieced so together the story. What's the story? But, well, it's not very cozy, but basically uh, oh. this the son died of a drug overdose, then the mother committed suicide, then the 
Sorry, it's not funny. But it just seems it's like one thing after the other. Jillian's stifling all sorts of laughter here in the studio. And it's <laughs> honestly horrifically insensitive to me. And then the husband died of um, alcohol poisoning. So it's just... Sounds like a hereditary sequel. Not not cozy. Yeah. So that was our one time... I'm, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> I'm not. I want to talk more about this. Because what you were describing felt like act one of a cozy mystery where it's like... Oh, and then there was a whimsical murderer, but it's like, no, he OD'd on on age, and she killed him or herself, and yeah, it's pretty I know. brutal. But life isn't cozy all the time. Most of those day sales are very light, and you find a little <laughs> little trinket to bring yeah. home, and it's not really very dark. But I just love going on the honeymoon. It's like a thrift store or something like that, or even a yard sale. Um, it's something I just enjoy, and I always feel cozy when I. I do, especially when I walk away with a treasure. Aww. Did you walk away with anything this time? I did not, sadly. It was a bust, but it was still fun. Imagine you walking out like wearing the wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about that still? No, no, no. no. Jillian walked out with some <laughs> passed down trauma from the <laughs> I know. estate sale. I know, yeah. So that's also the story of the person who, you know, has, yeah. has having this sale. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, you know, they've lived a nice life. Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear. Yeah, if, if you're having an estate sale, something was, was going right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, he- hearing the history is always yeah. nice. But on that note... My, mine would just be a garage sale at the front. Well, I guess that's a yard I don't think sale, I would even make... I'd be on Craigslist. I don't think I would make it to a yard. They just throw your stuff in a fire. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to see there. Guys, this discourse <laughs> is getting less cozy by the minute. <laughs> okay, Kevin, take us back to cozy. What's making you feel Ooh, cozy this week? I would say uh, a new album that came out as of recording this... Uh, last Friday called Bird Talker. Uh, or it's by a band called Bird Talker. The album is called One. And it's their debut album. They were kind of a... It's a very sweet story about like a husband and wife mm-hmm. who he was a songwriter and then one day he was just working on a song and she just like, here, I'll try to help you out. And then they just discovered this chemistry together. Really beautiful kind of a country-inflected lead harmonies but not country music. And yeah, just very sweet... Rock songs and love songs. I've been listening to that a lot this week. And something about like really well done lead harmonies when it's both of them mm-hmm. at the same time for the same stuff makes me feel like safe. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's like looking on a plane and you can see how, you know, sodly put together the cabinet. Like whatever's not Spirit Airlines. Like anytime <laughs> you get on a non-Spirit Airlines, it's like, oh, it's well constructed. It's going to be an okay flight even if there's some turbulence on mm-hmm. track seven or what have you. Like it'll be okay. So Bird Talker, that would be mine. Uh, excellent. Yeah, harmonizing is very safe. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to our next segment. Which is cozy locations. Wow, that is one of the most relaxing yeah, drops that's my, I've that's ever heard. That's one of my favorite sounds. Oh my gosh. Can you guess what that is? It's uh, someone burning copies of uh, 1984. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. book burning. Cool. My cozy location this week is the Cloisters. I was just in New York mm-hmm. um, seeing Waitress with Catherine McPhee. I wasn't seeing it with her. I wasn't like in the audience with Catherine McPhee. With Louis Peitzman. With Louis Peitzman. Catherine McPhee. Starring Catherine McPhee, yeah. Um, And it was great. I also saw SpongeBob, which was Mm -hmm. shockingly good. Everyone says it's shockingly good. Yeah. Well, you know, you go in, you're like, this is going to be a cash grab Mm -hmm. by Nickelodeon. And it is, but it's also good. You know, at the same time. See, cash grabs can still be good. Lego think, movie is a cash grab that was good. I think capitalism can save us. If we really I love just capitalism. Put our full fate in its hands. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so 
during one of those days, I went up to Washington Heights to the Cloisters, which is a museum. Basically, they recreated a bunch of medieval cloisters, right? Covered walkways adjacent to like a courtyard garden. Um, And they had dresses from the Met Gala exhibit Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. at the time. And also, I think just going to a museum by yourself, I think we talked about this before with other mm-hmm. museums, is really cozy. It's just like, it a, it's very contemplative, quiet. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. Mm-hmm. I can move at my pace. I can mm-hmm. just look at the stuff that I want to look at. I don't have to feign interest when, you know, your friend is like, hey, look at this thing. You're like, I don't care. You can be right? in your own head. And yeah. Just wander. Which Heck is nice. yeah. And they have beautiful outdoor courtyards. Mm-hmm. You can just overlook the park and the, and the river. And it's uh, a really beautiful location. If you have... If you're going to New York in the near future and you have kind of like a a few hours to spare, go up to northern to northern northern upper upper. That's what we say in Manhattan. Yeah, y- you know you're from Long Island. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're walking here. Yeah, um, upper Manhattan. It's it's a good day trip. The Cloisters. Uh, Jillian, what's your cozy location this week? Actually, Mr. P, I uh, also in Manhattan because my dad just moved there and. There's this park that we found. It's tucked away. It's in Turtle Bay neighborhood. And it's rare to find a park that has no people in it, which is my favorite kind of park. Mm. Um, And only dogs. No people, only dogs. It actually had a a board. um, We enter the park full of dog photos. So it's just this, I guess, uh, sign with all the dogs' faces on it. It was really cute. Like a memorial? No, I guess it's just like you're the you're the neighborhood dogs. I, I don't think it was a <laughs> get to know us kind of thing. Well, kind of thing. It was right after September 11th. And they were all wearing little firefighter yeah. hats. <laughs> Took another dark turn. Oh no, uh, I can't get away from it. There are a lot of firsts in this episode. I have to say. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you never forget your first. So yeah, it had. Also, a ton of ivy. You can't get cozier than ivy. It's right on the East River, so it's super... Um, it's also small, which I like. A nice, quaint, small park full of ivy. There's a dog board. Maybe it's a memorial. We don't know. And no one's there. So it was really perfect. So my dad and I would get takeout and just sit there and eat and mm. hang out. And it was just really a nice little spot. But it's hard to find a tucked away, almost secret park. You have to... It's hard to find, actually. Mm-hmm. But it's in the Turtle Bay section, so if you're ever in the in the area and want to find a nice quiet park where you won't be bothered or plenty of seating, lots of ivy and dogs, it's there. That was plug. That that was one thing about Manhattan when I was because I was just walking around like a vagrant all day because mm-hmm. I you know I'm on vacation so I'm just doing nothing. And it was really funny walking into all those little tiny parks that are sprinkled all around Manhattan, especially during the lunch hours. And you come in and everyone looks at you because they all have their lunch there. Mm -hmm. And it was like, who are you walking into our lunch park? Like everyone's looking at me like... It was their turf. You need a good lunch park. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like a great place to have lunch. Yeah. Away from Prime. It was the Peter something. Peter... The Peter Rabbit Park. Yes. Yes, Peter Rabb Park. A bunch of people throwing blueberries at kids, making them blow up with their allergies. <laughs> Kevin, what's making you feel... Uh, no, not cozy. We did that already. Cozy locations. A cozy location for me, I, I've thought about it for the last three and a half minutes, and I'm going <laughs> to have to say, I'm going to be very literal with the with the prompt and say, inside of a parked car, near or at a fast food location with a friend. That particular... I love that. That's location. Great, I love yeah. that. So talking about 
Canes in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio with a friend of mine I saw there recently talking about Sonic with my old high school friend Kelsey when we would go there back in high school. Uh, Shouts out to the In-N-Out parking lot here in town and also the Wendy's parking lot also from high school. Yeah. So sitting in there having a bite to eat with a bud. I can relate to that. I mean, high school is a time where you sat in fast food parking lots. So you had nothing else to do. It, it was, was primo parking lot time. Yeah, was high it, school. it really yeah. was. It was peak, mm-hmm. peak time. A lot of serious conversations, or at least yes. felt serious at the time. At the time. You could only have them in closed park cars. A lot of DTRs. A lot of DTRs. Y'all know that? No. What is a DTR? Define the relationship. <laughs> a lot of those talks. Yeah, I heard some colloquial depending (laughs) on like, but yeah, DTR. It'd be the, so what are we? It's like you're hanging out, but you're not sure. You don't know if you want to take the next steps. That'd be a DTR. So you're still having DTRs all around. Left and right. I try to have two a week just to like get, (laughs) be in good practice and shape with it. That's a wonderful choice. Thank you. Very evocative. Yeah, I try. Truly cozy. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia, safety. Yeah, I'm trying to hit all the boxes yeah. there. I think I did you, all right. Oh, you did great. <laughs> for, yeah, for, that was a good one. That's for a good three and a half minutes Thank of prep. Very creative. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're properly warmed up. I think we're ready to talk about what you all want to hear us talk about. The, the immigration big... policy. <laughs> <laughs> People come here for hard-hitting yeah. uh, politics facts. and a, Politics facts and, opi- and opinions. I love politics facts. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but those are my favorite facts. Anyway, yes, Paddington. I don't. I, where do we even start with Paddington? Paddington is a huge topic. It's pretty broad in, mm-hmm. insofar as like, mm-hmm. are we talking about the films or the Paddington franchise or just like the bear himself, right? It started with Michael Bond, mm-hmm. wrote the Paddington books in the 50s, uh, originally was a BBC cameraman, and then actually was a cameraman seven years into having written the first Paddington novel. And that was before those books made any amount of money that he could actually quit and start writing full time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, and he is a huge fan of the movies. He has a cameo in the first one. He was making new ones up until his death in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most recent published was 2013. So Paddington has been with us for a long time. I guess my first question is this, what was your introduction to Paddington bear in general? Like, did you have a child? Like it was Paddington in your childhood. No, it was truly these movies. Really? Mm-hmm. It truly was. Yeah. Uh, I, for, Children's book stuff, I think we are more of a Bernstein Bears family Same, yeah. as far as that yeah. stuff goes. And even, I'm trying to, th- uh, as far as Bears go, I think we had a corduroy book. Oh, oh yeah. corduroy. You remember he gets like, lost in a Macy's and he's trying to find a button or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> are we all? Yeah. Are we all trying to find hey, our listen, button? In our yeah, those way, Macy's. Aren't we all in a Macy's? Yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to the Eagle Rock Plaza. Oh. The only visible Macy's in LA. Yeah, so so yeah, the films were my intro to it. So as far as like the history and the author, I I I don't know that much about like the lore of the Paddington franchise. But I assumed that it was I, I think I assumed before watching the movies that it was pedestrian enough to not be worth my time or worth watching mm-hmm. before the movies because in as I'm sure we'll get into, the marketing for the movies doesn't look particularly it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look special. Well, I was pleasantly all. surprised when I yeah. watched it because I watched it for the first time the other day and I was not expecting to like it as much as I did based right. on what had preceded it, like watching the trailers. The and... trailers are very unappealing to me. The, the, well, the trailers for the original. They're all like um, him. It, well, the bathroom, I think, is him fuddling around the yeah. bathroom. Well, it makes it look like it's going to be it's Stuart Little again, or, but with yeah. a bear. Yeah. And it's not really that. But it has a lot of heart and a lot. 
lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Too, like smart and humor. The Paddington design, like for the bear himself, seeing it in the trailer, for some reason it was just so eerie looking. Well, to it me, became yeah. a meme for a little bit. Oh, really? So there was a poster that they put out because the, the CG design of Paddington in mm-hmm. the movies was so different than what it looked like mm-hmm. in the book. And and in the PBS, the the kind of animated right. uh, kind of paper, I don't know how you would say, like a paper, almost like a paper doll stop motion design. It was so different from that. And it was like, but I think before people saw him move and talk, it was in this weird uncanny valley between like, Absolutely, it's yeah. not a, like a goofy cartoon. It's kind of more like a realistic looking mm-hmm. bear cub. But... So so creepy Paddington mm-hmm. before the movie the, the first movie came out became a meme like when the when the promotional art came out so even that reception mm-hmm. of it contributed to this sense of like apathy probably from yeah. the general public huh. yeah it. Yeah, I guess, and and truly they were not marketing it to adults because, I mean, this was, it came out in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, the marketing was never supposed to appeal to us. I was shocked to see Nicole Kidman in it. Oh, yeah. I I wasn't expecting her. A lot of stars that attracted the the best talent that we have. And, uh, and yeah, so the, the movie is that they to, have that, we don't have <laughs> that the, our our friends over the pond. Have. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild too, because if you look in each of those movies, and especially too, there are so many badass people that have like three lines in the movie. <laughs> like what's her face from Absolutely Fabulous has a super short scene in the yeah. movie as Hugh Grant's a- Phoenix Buchanan's agent. So there's something about. I don't, and I don't know if it's like a work ethic or an ego thing, like London, UK versus America. But there's something about, oh yeah, I'll do this two scenes. No <laughs> one's really concerned about how big their roles mm-hmm. are. Like, am I the star? Can I be the <laughs> blah blah blah? You know, because it is a stacked cast, top yeah, to bottom. Every every cameo is a star. Also, I, I wonder too if it is like maybe there. Paddington is such a huge cultural icon that everyone's just clamoring. I think that's a big part of it. For the two seconds in the Paddington movie, especially for the sequel, once we saw the original, was actually had a lot more, was was, was way higher quality than anybody could have hoped to expect. What was y'all's introduction into? For me, it was the stuffed bear. Okay. So, like, I had a Paddington bear as a child, and, you know, it has, like, the the floppy red hat hat and Mm -hmm. the the, the blue blue coat coat and the the wellies, the yellow wellies. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was the only context I had for Paddington. I knew it was, you know, the star of a book series, but I never, I was, I was a corduroy man myself. And so very, corduroy loyal to man. Corduroy. so I just had the bear. And so I, I didn't, I didn't realize until honestly, just these movies kind of like putting Paddington back into our face that it was such a cultural t- touchstone for the UK. Yeah. Same here. I had no idea. And I, we had a bear too in our house and Watch Paddington for the first time the other day. And it's funny because I was on the plane today, and I guess they had Paddington too on the. Mm-hmm. Did the you movies. watch that as well? No, but this little girl behind me. I when we first got on the plane, she was screaming Paddington too, Paddington too, and I'm like it was like you know she had a Jillian, rock that concert. Me. That was <laughs> yes, me yeah. on the plane. With you. <laughs> I don't appreciate you demeaning my voice in that way. Good to know. That's <laughs> really messed up of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, find out this way but yeah it was she used there's still love i guess Wait, this, people this, have this happened on the plane today it was just a weird thing as soon as we got on the plane i guess she was going through the movies and she was just repeatedly chanting it and then she ends it with 
He's a cute bear. <laughs> I guess I gave her a long accent. Gave her an old, like, Hagger New Yorker accent. He's a cute bear. I gotta love Paddington. <laughs> yeah, but she was really enthused. So I'm sure she was watching it, but I, I didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> even though you're recording this today, where you're like, even though it's a little girl chanting Paddington too, you're like, actually, I'm gonna skip that and what? Watch. I had to. Would you Mordecai starring no, Johnny I had, Depp? No, I had to finish Paddington one. I watched half of it uh, and I was waiting. Procrastinator. Yeah. If you just would have done it earlier, you could have done both. You know. Well, we, but... we'll never know what Jillian thinks of Paddington too. But um, I, I don't know. Do we, is it worth talking about the movies in a linear way? We could talk about them, or do you want to talk about them as a cultural touchstone? Like, well, I think for me. The fr- I'll, I'll tell you how I got into the movie. It was, a, it was a couple of things. I saw there was a film critic on Twitter. who uh, I think his name is David Ehrlich. I think he writes for The New Yorker, I want to say. That I sounds like a film critic name, I believe. David you. Ehrlich yeah. is for sure his name. But he was ranting and raving about Paddington 2. And this was like at the dawn of what I'll call Paddington 2 Twitter, mm-hmm. which is a whole sub-Twitter unto itself now mm-hmm. in the culture. And he said... Paddington 2, it's so graceful and sincere and kind and blah, 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 blah. And then the line that he said that stuck to stuck out to me is he said, it is Magic Mike XXL levels of joy. I was like, oh, <laughs> that movie rocked. I got to go see Paddington 2. But I was like, I didn't want to skip over and leapfrog mm-hmm. the first one. So I actually, I went out with a friend to go see, not Paddington, but to go see the new Jumanji movie. Because mm. a lot of people liked it, and it had an okay it, rating. It, it was favorably reviewed. It was favorably reviewed, made a bunch of money, so they'll probably make more. And we are like, sure, why not? But it's one of those things where it was kind of her idea to go, and I wasn't as into it. But then it became this standoff of, like, we were both clearly not at all enjoying the movie. Mm-hmm. And we were just, like, not laughing and not having fun. And 30 minutes into it, we were like, should we go? We're like, yes. Oh, thank God. It was such a relief. And then actually, to my discredit, I was like bummed that we had kind of wasted the night and we'd used our passes and we couldn't see another movie and blah, 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 blah. And it was already the night was already old. And then I was like, well, we can watch Paddington because I heard that was good. And uh, and she's like, mm, as skeptical as I was about yeah. Jumanji, she was about Paddington. She was like, Okay, yeah, we can watch it. Sure, that's fine. Because it was on Netflix. I think it's still on Netflix uh, as of recording this, at least. And we watched it at home, and she started crying about 10 minutes into it. It was very (laughs) heart-wrenching. I was surprised at how emotional I got. Well, you just, you you know what it is? It's the up effect where where you kind of underestimate a movie's potential impact on you. And so you walk in and you get punched in the gut in however many scenes. And uh, yeah, you just don't see it coming. Well, I know I was in trouble when uh, Paddington, I saw the uncle wearing the red hat. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh crap, how'd he get the hat? (laughs) Like that's not going (laughs) to end well for that uncle. And so I was bracing myself and then it hits you with the earthquake, I guess literally. Yeah. And then it's, it also has him searching for a home, which also pulled on my heartstrings. Sure. Germans rejecting him. And now it has a lot of significance. So I guess just the timing of it with what's going on now. So it is yeah. the most anti-Brexit m- movies, especially number two. Yeah. Because number two is when Mr. Curry, as played by Peter Capaldi, very much 
is a symbol and allegory for the conservative idea of like closing the borders and we don't want them here and we don't Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And so Paddington and then his effect on the community represents like the, the best parts about what immigration is. Um, And he's so earnest too, that little bear. There's not a smidge of irony (laughs) or insincerity Mm -hmm. or mockery in either of the two movies. Mm-hmm. In either of them. And yet they are so funny. So funny. Mm-hmm. Just gen- genuinely great I laughed one-liners. out loud, yeah. So you saw, you saw both of them? I saw and both. So actually kind of very similar to yeah. your... I feel this is like kind of like our Paddington coming out stories, I guess. Or, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> when did you know? <laughs> yeah. well, I knew I was a Paddington fan when... Because Twitter was just blowing up. It was, it was the Paddington wave. It just like hit when Paddington 2 came out. It, it seemed like it had developed a really core audience of believers in this in these movies. It, made me, it, it was on Netflix, I think, and mm-hmm. it just like kind of inspired me mm-hmm. to check it out. And I think it was a little bit too late into uh, getting to see Paddington 2 in the theaters for me. It was like right when they were about to leave, and so I never saw it in the theater. But, and so I waited like so anxiously to see Paddington mm-hmm. 2, and I finally, when it was available to rent, I rented it. And I haven't looked back since. It's, yeah. I've been a Paddington convert since then. And just the, like you're saying, the sincerity and the kindness of the movie is so comforting and cozy. Like you're watching it and you're like, this is how, why isn't everyone like this all the time? Like, why can't we be this kind to each other mm-hmm. all the time? It's sort of, there's such a, it's such a simple and beautiful look at the way that we could be interacting as a society, but somehow choose not to. We're, we're so many, so, so much of the time we are the Mr. Curry. Right. Mm-hmm. Even rewatching it, I was rewatching the movies um, before this recording, and I was like, Jesus, like, why can't we just be nice to each other? <laughs> Is it that hard? I think about this movie, specifically Paddington 2, because I've only seen the first Paddington movie once all mm-hmm. the way through, and then I've seen like different bits and pieces from it a couple of times. Paddington 2, I've seen. Nine times. Wow. wow. You're an expert. So, so the second one is really the, the one that's closer to your heart. The, yeah, because I think the first one, from a, from just like a technical, is this a good movie or a bad movie? I think it's a really, really good movie. I think it's a great movie even. I think the second one is legit a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like, and not in an ironic, yeah. like, you know, with no qualifiers attached to it, but just like on a Bones script level of cause and effect and thematics and if X, then Y, then cause, yeah, all that stuff I think is so tightly constructed and they're so in control of it. And as is common in like superhero movies sometimes where they kind of have to do a lot of groundwork. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the origin. Yeah. Here's how I became Spider-Man or whatever. Then in the second one, they can just kind of run and play around in the world. I found mm-hmm. Paddington 2 to be similar to that. So it's like once you know the Browns, once you know Paddington, once you like are familiar with the tone of the movie, then they could kind of just run and play. And it was, again, kind of a testament to... Bad ideas can be the best ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, I forget if we were talking about it before we turned on the mics or not. But, like, the idea of, like, something like the Lego movie seems like a real vacant cash grab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you watch it, it's, like, a stunning meditation on creativity and working together and all this stuff. And same thing I would even say with something as, like, uh, as, quote, unquote, disposable as, like, the Fast and Furious franchise. Where it's, like, they were good. And then... 
Fast Five is probably the best one out of the seven or eight that they've made so far. So it's like you would think the cynical part of you would be like, ah, they're just making more of that bullshit. And the people making it would probably think that sometimes. But then sometimes, especially as stuff gets more and more franchised out, where it's like we're going to be living in these like Marvel feedback loops and Star Wars feedback loops for until the day we die. But people find their moment of like, I'm going to make this kind of movie and try to say this kind of thing in the context of, okay, you need it to be this recognizable IP. You need it to be whatever Thor, the third Thor movie being the best one and the funniest one and one of the best Marvel movies they've made. And same thing with Paddington too, where clearly Paul King just wanted to make the greatest movie he could possibly make. Not just like, Another one of these. It'll do fine and we'll have some fun. But like they cared so much. And I actually feel the way about Paddington 2. Weirdly, the way I feel when I watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Have you guys seen that movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. The Edgar Wright movie where even though it's like totally different genres and goals and aims, mm-hmm. you can tell how much craft and care and love went into every single second of the movie from like a performance perspective from a production design perspective. So so just on a technical level, I think Paddington 2 is like just so, so well constructed. But then on like a transcendent level, it's been one of the more important movies I feel like I've seen in my lifetime. Just as wow. like and, and it's so simple. It's like not anything revolutionary yeah. or anything we anything we haven't heard before. But I think just the combined texture of how they make the movie, because it's like one of those movies like Phantom Thread. Did you guys see Phantom Thread? Yeah. So Phantom Thread was like a movie that Reynolds Woodcock would probably make if he could make a movie. Like it was very pristine and very measured and very this and that. Like if, if he was a director, you can imagine him making that movie. And the same thing, the same way with Paddington too, I would imagine of Paddington was like a little director bear. <laughs> oh, he, he little probably, director bear. Right? In his little chair and he's got his little hat on. Uh, he'd probably make Paddington too. Something yeah. that's just like so overwhelmingly sweet and kind and sincere that somehow, and the, that's the magic trick of it, it doesn't tip over into like being too saccharine or being mm-hmm. too sappy or being too full house or being too like blah. And maybe that's like a little British distance that's just inherent in British people Mm -hmm. and their sensibilities but somehow with like all the love in the world that you could feel the movie being made with it still doesn't feel manipulative no not at all it's very it's very sincere and straightforward honestly yeah it feels earned at every point What's the plot of Paddington 2? Do you mind giving us sure? I'll I'll put in I'm dying to see it well in as simple as terms as I can put it Paddington wants to buy a book for his Aunt Lucy for her birthday. Mm -hmm. And then the book gets stolen. He gets framed for it. He goes to prison. And he has to work to clear his name. And that's the movie. That's it. It's like really they they both have incredibly simple plots. Paddington Paddington wants a home for the first movie. Second movie, Paddington wants a present. Mm Mm-hmm. And the plots are as simple as the, the books are, really. Right. That is one thing I know that they share in the, the DNA. Yeah, it. they kind of just have... I mean, and you get those sort of vignettes throughout the uh, movies that are a reference, I think, back to the books. And those mm-hmm. little, like, Paddington gets a job. Like, yeah. You know, and all of his, you know, misadventures with Paddington that. does his taxes. You know, <laughs> he, he bumbles through, but he always bumbles through. <laughs> lines up on top and... Gets a great tax return. I love oh, that. yeah. I love that oh, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He filled out all his W-9s. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All his 1099s. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think my favorite part was just how they were able to intertwine humor with that heartfelt 
sentiments. It's really hard to do just to have such um, great one-liners, but also just have it be so sentimental and such finely drawn characters. It had all the elements. You know, the characters were so unique. The story was simple, like you said. Mm -hmm. It pulled on your heartstrings, but it was also so funny. I rarely laugh out loud at movies, and I was during this one. Paddington. I've only seen Paddington 1. Well, I know for Paddington 2, I'm not sure if they did for Paddington 1, but they hired a clown. (laughs) They sincerely hired a clown on set to help with, like, some of the timing of the slapstick stuff that they do. Like, when when Paddington meets Knuckles McGinty Mm -hmm. in the cafeteria, and he's, like, squirting ketchup and mustard on Mm -hmm. his... Like, they, they hired someone, okay, how do we do this, and how do we... And if you listen to Paul King's commentary, he was... Very, he he seemed as concerned with the aesthetics of it and making everything look the way it did and so beautiful and all the prison outfits are pink uh, as he did like the comic timing. He's like, and it was important here that you know uh, they they stayed frozen for a little bit in their bodies because body language. Blah 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 blah. And he goes into it, so you can just tell like the care that was yeah. put into every single part of it. Also, a fun thing about two is that it was co-written by Paul King. And Simon Farnaby, who plays the the guard in both one and two, oh. who gets turned oh, yeah. on by the man in cross-dressing oh, clothes. Yes. I, I, rewatching it, I finally caught that common thread of first he's in love with um oh with Mr. Brown. With Mr. Brown That's funny. cross-dressing mm-hmm. and then later with an uh, unusually attractive nun. <laughs> yeah. Catch that stunning sister. Oh my gosh. And I will say, Nicole Kidman. Amazing, oh, the first one. Amazing performances. Like everyone is turning out these just really wonderful turns. It's impeccable. And, I mean, she really got to chew the scenery and had the best lines. My favorite line from Nicole Kidman was her when when she's warning uh, Mr. Curry about mm-hmm. the presence of a bear in his neighborhood, <laughs> and he and she goes raucous all night picnics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but then I will say in comparison, Hugh Grant. All-time greatest performance, maybe, he's I ever think, done. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, I was re-watching two, and I'm like, this is... I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a Hugh Grant performance this much. He's legit hilarious. He yeah. improvised some of his lines in the movie. You can tell. And it's such a ballsy thing to turn to this, like, aging cad actor, yeah. <laughs> IRL, and, and say, hey, can you play this aging cad actor <laughs> in our movie? And him being down for it right. and then doing his best He seems work. like a good sport in, in general. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, what yeah. else do we want to talk about with these movies? <laughs> I'm going to be racing day, out to Paddington 2 now. You should. Oh, man, I saw it seven times in the theaters. And uh, it's become a whole lifestyle for you. Yeah, it was. It was like I needed my fix. It was, and and to this day, I'll still watch one scene from the movie before I go to bed every night. Like a different That's scene, sweet. or do you have the scene you go to? There's every a couple time? in rotation. Yeah, there's a couple, like the pop up book, mm-hmm. or even when Paddington first gets to prison and he meets Knuckles, or when he's window washing, or yeah, there's a there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Man, I get choked up just thinking <laughs> yeah, about that Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> it's really well, it's special inter- to you. It's, it's interesting very too. special. What I like about the second movie is they let the characters grow. Mm-hmm. So obviously the children have grown up a little bit, and so f- and their personalities have with them, right? So the boy has become kind of... He, he's growing in his identity. He wants to be perceived as cool. And so all of his engineering expertise and joy, he hides it away. He prefers um, to be called J-Dog. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't create an interesting kind of dilemma for the series, which is that 
Paddington always kind of has to stay Paddington age, right? He has to be a cub. Right. But oh, we're getting into, like, what would a Paddington 3 be? I'm wondering be? what would a Paddington 3 would be because, like, would Paddington grow up a little bit too? Would the kids just... I mean, I, if they make it soon, the kids aren't going to get that old. Right. But eventually... But now Paul King is, like... Because it's literally, to this day, still the best-reviewed movie on Rotten Tomatoes ever. as the most reviews of 100% than any other movie in history. So now Paul King's kind of got his pick of, do you want to do the live-action Pinocchio for Disney? Mm -hmm. And Because the thing with the Paddington movies is, like, they were made for, comparatively, they're not indie movies, but they were made for, like, low budget. And they honestly were... Uh, you know, profitable, but not that profitable. Mm-hmm. So for Paul King, it's like he could do what if he wants to do three, he could, but he could also like do the next Pinocchio, do the he was in talks to do the Willy Wonka prequel that they're talking about doing at WB. Like he's kind of got his pick of the litter now, and I'm very conflicted about whether I would even want another one because I just I and like the little kid part of me is like. Yeah, more, 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 please, more. Oh, my gosh, more. But then, if you really think about it, it would be so, 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 so difficult for it to live up to two. But maybe it could. Because, again, I would never say, I think the second, I think the sequel to this animated adaptation of a kid's book of a British bear from the 50s (laughs) is going to be the best movie I ever see. But it is. You know, like quality can come from anywhere. It's nice to be pleasantly surprised. Like I, like you said earlier, you don't really expect to go in being pleasantly surprised. Or that cynical, like oh, it's gonna be like a money grab. So it's nice to actually have what you expected to be debunked, and it's a nice feeling. Like when I watched it, I was like oh, I actually really like this, and I wasn't expecting yeah. to. And it's a rare feeling. So when you get that feeling, you want to hold on to it and savor it. I mean, there's limitless potential because there are so many Paddington stories to draw from. You could have any sort of hodgepodge of adventures you can kind of stitch together. I could easily see a third one being at least as good. I don't know if they can... Well, has he talked about it? You have so much trivia. They kind of put it on a slate before the second one came out. They're like, it'll probably be profitable enough that, that we can make it again but i think what they didn't anticipate is the critical like lavish praise that was put mm-hmm. upon it which makes paul king the kind of x factor here so if he's not involved with it i honestly don't know if i'd want to see it the writer and director of both movies because it feels yeah it would feel maybe kind of icky I if almost, it was someone else i, I almost kind of want them to like Go away for a long time and then bring a Paddington 3 out. Like the kids are grown up. I like and, that idea. I don't know. Some, yeah, and I don't like think that. it's inconceivable that he could still be a cub. Yeah. You know, like bears age differently. Could, I don't they know. They could freeze him. <laughs> it could be like Fry and Futurama. You could yeah, stumble that's into right. him. Yeah. <laughs> He's bumbling enough. Yeah, the, yeah. He could he could stumble oh. into a cryogenic lab. Paddington in the future. Sure. Oh. Being so polite to all the androids. Oh, you're a, a, a very nice robot. That's <laughs> very sweet. But, I mean, he's such a model for behavior, aside from occasionally... I want to be him. ...giving hard <laughs> stares. <laughs> I mean, the hard stares. Just, just to approach life from that place of pure joy and feeling of, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, even just watching the second one, I literally had a moment where I was really stressed out about um, something I'm doing coming up, and... I was like, oh, can I do it? I don't know if I can do was this thing. Was it this podcast? It was this podcast, yeah. Like, can I do the can I do the 27th episode of my own podcast? I'm not sure. Then I'm watching Paddington being like, why can't I just approach life with such, like, joyful, mm. 
innocence and energy as Paddington to be like, just go mm-hmm. into anything with a positive attitude and just see how it turns out. Why does it have to be, why do, why do I have to put all this stuff on it? And it made me think back to like actually a really terrible episode of RuPaul's Drag Race where <laughs> the, the, the queens play the evil versions of each other. And so they have to walk the run, runway as themselves and they have to walk the runway as their evil twin that, that is their, uh, the voice inside that's self-sabotaging them. And when I watched that originally, I was like, that's kind of stupid. Mm. <laughs> like, I guess we kind of all have that nagging voice of like, you can't do it. But then it really hit me like, oh, like, Paddington's like the opposite of that. Paddington is the opposite of that voice in your head that says you can't do it. He's saying you can do it. Like just put yourself out there and, and do the best you can. And you might shave a judge's head um, <laughs> inappropriately, or you might just save the day and wash everyone's windows and everyone loves you. So, well, and very directly in Paddington, too, with Knuckles mm-hmm. and his whole arc that he goes on, where he thinks, and it's so the economy of these movies, especially too, where it is an hour 40, I think, or an hour 45, maybe, uh, less than two hours, and every scene leads into the next scene is important for this scene and this dialogue matters because of this. And Knuckles just has this line like, my father said I would never amount to anything and he was right. (laughs) And you see the arc of Paddington, you know, he says uh, uh, to Paddington, oh, I don't know what I could do with these fists. He's like, oh, I don't know, Knuckles. Looks like you got a fine pair of orange squeezes right there. (laughs) Where it's like, so where you see something bad or negative about yourself, Paddington sees what's good about it. Yeah. And wants to use it for something productive anyway. And he never gets frustrated. (laughs) No. He takes everything in stride. Even when people are threatening to kick him out of the house, he's like, well, I understand, you know. You know, it's not burning down the house or anything like that. He he's always so chill. Just, yeah. He's so calm. And I guess that's the quality I like. Cause I, you know, that's how I lose it from time I'm, to time. I'm like ready to start like a, a cult of Paddington yeah. now. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, <laughs> well, I'll save it for the plugs, but uh, I got a website people oh. can go to. Oh, really? <laughs> no, <Paddington>? really. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I, but I, I do The think Church of Paddington. It, I'm sure something like that must already exist. But, um, but I do find it telling too the power of the movies and the character that that everyone I know, including us right now, talks about him like he's a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like not like, and you wouldn't even talk about like, well, in Inside Out, Joy just wants to, and you get it. And obviously, Inside Out's amazing, but there's something about the character and quality of Paddington, I think because of Ben Wishaw's performance mixed mm-hmm. with that particularly wonderful animation, which by the way, wasn't going to be Ben Wishaw. It was going to be Colin Firth. Firth. Yeah. And I think that oh. was a very late decision because mm-hmm. in a lot of Paddington one, you can see they kind of cut away from his face and his mouth sometimes. So I think a lot of it was actually ADR'd that they didn't wow. animate to, with Shaw's performance, whereas in two they were definitely doing it, and it's even I think it's I think it's for him a better performance in the animation is better in the second one too. But um, but yeah, I think because in the in the PBS stop motion one, it was like, "Hello, I'm Paddington." Like it was mm-hmm. more of an older mm-hmm. gentleman's voice, and they had that in their heads. But thankfully, they made it because Wish Shaw is like such a nice um, intersection of like, he doesn't sound like a kid, but he sounds very young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And does. that there makes it like, there's an interesting queer element to the movie yeah. too, given that wish I was gay and just and, the and experience Paddington's of gay. 
and Paddington <laughs> yeah. is gay as hell. Uh, no, but like just like marginalized communities right. and him being the other and going through that and stuff. I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot to that. I, w- I was reading about uh, Ben Wishaw's casting and they're talking about how his, his voice has an other quality to it. You mm-hmm. can't quite place his age or, or all that kind of stuff. And so it really helps that this bear that kind of exists mm-hmm. in a world where no other talking bears exist aside from his aunt and uncle sort of fits. It's like, it's yeah. just a complete, he's, he's his own thing. And that's okay because he's a bear. Yeah. I mean, it's such a unique, I, I I've tried to think of every iteration of like, what would another adaptation of this look like? Like if someone tried to do like a Broadway musical about it, would it even be powerful without that voice with that mm. animation? And maybe it'd be fine. And obviously SpongeBob was good, but you know, was, I'm sure they could find someone who could do a, a Wishawy voice. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but it is just like, and I think it speaks to the aspirational nature of like that he's him and his character are something to look up to because it's something so outside of ourselves yeah. that we don't experience on a day to day basis, and he does seem so to us, the viewers, so other in a good way. Where it's like I can't even imagine what that would be like. And and I know what you mean. Like I go through stuff every day now. Where I'm like, man, what would Paddington do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Or even like on a run this morning and I want to like wave hi to people on the sidewalk and <laughs> you know what? Even in Pasadena, not so friendly it's to do that. No. Or it's a 50 50 if you're going to get it's it. A toss cause, up. Cause some people just in being a guy running, people might think you're a weirdo. Right. Or, you know, it's hard for well, men is what I'm saying. Yes. In every way. In this now I have society. an image of you running around with in a blue jacket and a red floppy hat. Just Aww. waving at people. It's oh, adorable. that's one thing is the, the jacket in the books, I know this because uh, a friend of mine bought me a Paddington treasury. In the jacket, he just has the jacket. Mm-hmm. But in the movies, it's something that's passed down I know. from Mr. Brown so to sweet. Jonathan. And he's like, oh, it fits you quite nicely. Everything's so sweet, sweet. Yes. from start to finish. But it's not sappy. Mm-hmm. No. I think because it, it it is something that's a little bit smaller, especially here. The unfortunate reality of the country we live in, guys, is that Peter Rabbit made a lot more money than Paddington <laughs> too, and we do mm. have to live with that reality when we go to sleep tonight. Uh, I, I almost saw Peter Rabbit because I thought, like, well, this is another. Could this be another Paddington? And Kevin's shaking his head. It's not. <laughs> it's not. They they had to. The makers of Peter Rabbit had to apologize for a scene that was in the movie. Where Peter Rabbit oh, yeah. throws blueberries at a guy with a blueberry allergy to make him puff I up. I remember. And they're like, kids are going to watch that and then throw blueberries at kids with allergy or do something to like, mm-hmm. you know, exploit that that um, sickness that kids might have. And I just retweeted that article and I said, Pennington would never do that. No. He would no, never, he would do never that. not even dream of it. He's, he's kind to his enemies. Yes. He kills him with kindness, like the guy in the beginning where he's like, how would you like to be buried in a big hole? And he's like, oh, after you. And by the end of it, he's like, good luck, little bear. And he changes everyone around him for the better. It's such a... I would like you do the voices for Paddington 3. I'm that- mesmerized. <laughs> well, to be fair, I've, I've seen it a few times, so I, they're very familiar I'm in impressed. my head. <laughs> well, thank you. Kevin's one-man Paddington show yeah. is coming to a It's going to be a UCB you. sunset. Uh, <laughs> Tickets are for free because no one would pay for them. <laughs> it's a padding ton of fun. Oh, my gosh. If I did something like that, I'd make it like a charity for immigration stuff. Because it is so yes. pro-immigration mm-hmm. and pro... Uh, yeah, and especially now. It, and the first one... The first one, I think, actually, one of the 
wilder and best scenes of it is when Aunt Lucy is like getting him ready to go yes. over there without and her. she was telling him about the war about the blitz yeah. and it's like we're putting this in a I can't believe I can't believe we're doing this and it was incredibly touching Very and touching. I, I think the reason people like me get so evangelical about it is because it does feel like people slept on it because because Peter Rabbit made more money whereas it's like inside out or even like hereditary or get out or something like that it's like I don't need to tell you that's good mm-hmm. you know it's good someone told you it's good but Paddington's like, no, but you're not going to. I went out with a group of friends the other night for Froyo, and they all laughed at me for thinking that the Paddington movies were good. And they hadn't seen either of them. Well, they're in for like, a surprise. Bro, this is, this is still, I know. This is still happening in, in July 2018. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know, maybe it's my life's mission to keep that from and happening they know you, less and you less. You legally changed your name to Kevin T. Paddington. Kevin T. Paddington on Twitter, baby. <laughs> they were. I know. I think people... Uh, there was a, someone was talking about for a while, I guess with like the irony we get entrenched in on Twitter and social media and stuff for a little bit on film Twitter, you couldn't tell the the difference between people's ironic tweets about the greatest showman and their sincere tweets about Paddington too. So everyone was just like, and I think for people who do maybe comedy stuff, when they are so touched by it, because you are entrenched in cynicism 24 seven, people might might not take you seriously at first because of that. Uh, but I'm here just to tell you we're all sincere. It's Paddington real. rocks. He's a good boy. Paddington's we sincere. Him. We're sincere about Paddington. It yeah. doesn't make Full you want to be like less to the, even like a cozy podcast where it's like, we're going to talk about nice things that we like mm-hmm. and are positive and have positive impact on us and others. And we want to have a positive impact on you mm-hmm. rather than like, uh, let's talk about movies and why they're <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> like it just makes, it makes those things that are negativity and especially like demeaning someone um. for their race or gender, or sexuality, or even their personality, just like so unattractive and so gross, yeah. uh, in like a, in a, in a Paddington universe. It's like, I, I don't even, there's no place for that even. And the one guy who continues to do it is the bad guy, mm-hmm. Mr. Curry. Partially why we started this podcast, which is, I, I mean, we were getting kind of sick of, there's a landscape where everything that comes out, there is so much media out there. There are either people who digest that in a negative way, like mm-hmm. let's go through this through the media roundup of, and complain and criticize everything that's happening in a way that's not even productive, just sort of like mean spirited. Right. But then I kind of was like, well, what's, why don't we, there's so much out there that's good. Why don't we just highlight that? We can ignore the bad stuff. Not not to say like my head's in the sand, like You're we're complicit. not gonna ignore something. That I'm complicit. I know. I think that asterisk should be attached to anything that's like good now, where it's like not to say we're putting our heads in the sand. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like and I think for people that know you, it's like, yeah, trust me. I'm your friend. I care. I'm gonna talk about this right now instead yeah. of this. I need to survive somehow. Yes. Like, to understand. And Torture it's ourselves even more. Yeah, self care. I think Paddington would have loved this podcast. Oh, Paddington would have subscribed from the jump to yes. this podcast. To yeah. be fair, I feel like Paddington would subscribe to every podcast. That's you, true. You would feel like it's fair. <laughs> That's Mr. Good Brown, point. I've been on a five-mile walk <laughs> because I can't stop listening to all my friends' podcasts yeah. right now. Oh. He's, he's the only person who would listen to his friends podcasts yeah let's give it a five <laughs> paw review on itunes yeah he'd do it up uh, any final thoughts about paddington or marmalade i think i think you have to watch paddington too i'm as dying soon to now possible. you really sold me yeah. i i i'm 
Not only was I touched by movie, I was touched by how much you love Paddington. Oh, thank you. Truly moved. So it's, I'm going to watch it. It's moved me, and I hope it's made a positive impact in my life. Yeah. Because it is like I, it, the simplicity of the story. It, it's such a lesson in so many ways, every part of it. And we could do, I know they have those podcasts where you do like the Star Wars minute, and they just talk about one minute of Star Wars for like an hour. I go the next minute, talk about it. I feel like I could do that with Paddington. Because <laughs> it's just like... Even just thinking about like Aunt Lucy and him reuniting with her and what the book actually means and all that stuff. You get to, here's a little teaser. Paddington 2 pretty much opens with baby Paddington. Oh. So go watch that. I'll be a little teary-eyed. Oh, also I think the score is extraordinary in the the movie. They got a different composer for Paddington 2 than 1 because I think the guy and the guy who did one was in America. They want someone in the UK and the themes in the movie, there's like three or four main themes and they use them over and over again to stunning effect if you're listening for it. Um, so I've been listening to that soundtrack a lot too. Are, th- are they your ringtones now? No, because I don't have ringtones, but if I did, they would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ringtones were cute. There was a time when I thought like, oh, I can customize my ringtone. How amazing. And then it's like, well, I'll just have it on mute the whole time anyway. So. When I heard a MIDI ringtone for the first time in like 2002 mm-hmm. or three, it blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> welcome to the future, guys. Yeah. Here I, we are. I spent a whole afternoon one day just trying to like get one of my favorite songs into a ringtone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a total waste of time because, like, again, I have my phone on mute. As does anyone under the age of 60. So I'll, yeah. I'll, you'll never it's hear my ringtone. It's wild that anyone would ever turn their phone sound on. Right. I know. Crazy. Paddington wouldn't. Paddington would be. I think about Paddington a lot when I get angry too, like at movie theaters when people are like rustling their snackies or talking or have their phones on. I'm like, okay, don't be a jerk. Give them a hard stare. And I do do that. I do (laughs) like that when someone's like behind me, I'll just like look at them. But, um, but yeah, hopefully it's made me slow to anger because again, for him, anger is like, you know, it's not a bad thing for us to be angry, but it needs to be useful for some other purpose. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. For him, it's like a corrective thing. Like, don't be a jerk right now. You forgot your manners, Knuckles or Mr. Brown. Yeah. Also, the cast, the Browns, Mr. and Mrs. Brown are just like all time. Like their best performance. I, I love the flashbacks when they go, oh, Mr. The Brown hospital. goes back to Oh, my his, gosh. His so youth. funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there's some more flashbacks in two. But Sally Hawkins, I, I, and I know everyone's made like, you know, the, um, Shape of Water and Paddington jokes because spoiler she she does go in the water in both movies but I found her performance in Paddington too to be profoundly more touching and Mr Brown's arc from where he starts in Paddington one to the end of Paddington two amazing one of my favorite like multi movie arcs ever because he's the one in the train station that's like oh there's some sort of bear over there don't talk to him <laughs> yeah. and then by the end of it when he's defending him. It's very sweet. Oh, it's so sweet. Very, very sweet. I love the way that they acknowledge him as a bear and they accept his existence, and yet he is oh, yeah. still it's like, the it's only talking bear. About whatever. That it, it's just a, a really funny thing to me mm-hmm. that they are so chill about it, and yet he demonstrates again and again he's a very unique species. Yeah, there aren't a whole ton of bears running around London. Yeah, everyone's super comfortable and accepts the fact that there's a talking cub. Yeah, British British accent bears from Peru. Yeah, Peru. <laughs> Aunt Lucy is played by Dor. What's her name? Harry Potter. Dolores Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge. Imelda Staunton. Mm. Yes, Imelda Staunton. Michael Gambon. Dumbledore is is uh, uh, Pestuzo. Uncle oh, Pestuzo. That's a ship. 
Uh, Broadbent as, oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh, Antiques. Uh, Antique guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I feel like such a jerk. I'm sorry, Jim Broadbent. I feel like every Jim Broadbent character I just call Jim Broadbent. I don't know the name of any of his characters. What's, yeah. what's his name in Moulin Rouge? Jim uh, Broadbent. Harold Zidler. Oh, really? Uh-huh. You knew that. You, you had, he had, Kevin oh, I saw had Moulin Rouge four Did times. Did not even blink. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the other thing you played daily? Uh, I think for a little I, bit, yeah, yeah, when I was like 10 or 11, yeah, whenever it came out. Yeah, I loved I that. Loved that was that an important DVD in my collection. Oh, sure. Two discs, beautiful oh, artwork. Oh, wonderful. Oh, uh, the commentary. Spencer's. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. Actually, it wasn't Spencer. That's a novelty gift store. They have yeah. Moulin Rouge DVDs. No, it was, it was uh, Suncoast. That's where I bought it. Anyway. <laughs> Suncoast, they did not mark down anything. <laughs> it was all full price. It was full price DVDs and, and um, McFarlane spawn toys. <laughs> oh, jeez. The opposite of Paddington. <laughs> so let's close out by sharing what celebrities are calming us this week. Who who will we talk about today? In on a submarine underwater. <laughs> oh, I've never thought of that like oh, that. Oh, it does kind of sound like yeah, that. Yeah, it does. Well, uh, we used to have something that sounded supposed to be flashing cameras, but it sounded like a fax. Julian, machine. you know, I, I made a mistake and oh, I got no, rid of no, the sound. No, not fax machine, a photocopier. It, a pho- no, okay. it was it was like a press core photo, like like paparazzi, like. Click, 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 click. Zero. Like, oh, oh, that's not cozy. That's stressful. But it was, yeah, but it was, just, it was like, oh, they're talking about famous people. And yeah. so, you know, paparazzi, but it's not cozy and it just didn't work. And it sounded like a fax machine. So we got rid of it. Okay. So now Jillian's a lot happier. <laughs> so now it's an, a celebrity <laughs> owl. owl. Celebrity yeah. owl. That's, that's the best I could come I up with. I just like hearing Matt say, Hoo-hoo. I'm still open to other sounds and I can find other ambient noises, but it's Pete like Townsend. This. Yeah, as long as. <laughs> Or it's what's his face? Who played is the Al and Winnie the Pooh? Hal Smith, I think. Winnie Al the Smith. Pooh. Al Smith, I know, right? <laughs> Two on the nose. Winnie the Pooh. Christopher Robin might be good, but I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, sensitive to British talking bears now. So <laughs> yeah. little I know. Y'all, y'all see that trailer though? Yeah, right? no, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. already prepared to cry. It's very cozy as a trailer, very nostalgic and whatnot. I know we should. We should, that should be a yeah. An that's episode. a good idea. Yeah. Or or not, we have to see if it's good or not first. We'll see. We'll I see know, if Twitter. Erupts. It might be bad because mm-hmm. I think the trailer so far. I'm like, I'm not sold. But again, marketing, you never know. Paddington had crap marketing. a terrible marketing. Yeah. Um, but you know who has great marketing? Hey, is my celebrity that calms me always. Which is, appropriately, I was like, okay, we're watching Paddington. I had to pick Ben Wishaw. To me, Ben Wishaw is a very cozy celebrity. I mean, we like our workhorses on Love our, our, work our steady operators on this podcast, people who deliver great performances time and time again. Yeah. And, and, and Ben is that. He always gives a quality performance. But for me, what makes him extra cozy is I kind of fell in love with him. I, have like a, I had a crush on him mm-hmm. back when I first saw him in Perfume, The Story of a Murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like all the way back in 2006. Um, was that Nicole Kidman as well? I don't think so. That was Alan Rickman and Ben Wishaw oh. and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, um, she could have been in it. I'm not. I'm, I'm actually blanking on who played the female lead, but probably because I just only had eyes for Ben Wishaw. From there, it like followed his career. You know, he. I mean, I, he's more famously known for Paddington, kind of, but mostly as Q in the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. What makes him extra special to me was that finally, I think in like 2014, he came out of the closet. How rare it is for someone that you're crushing on as a gay person to actually later come out as gay themselves. It's I can't 
tell you how rare that is. No, it's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> to be like, yes, yeah, yeah. And and not as if like ever, like I was ever it was like I was like, oh, I'm gonna marry him, and now I have a chance. But like the. It was just nice to finally be affirmed in a crush and not. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe or that the opposite stupid. happens, and uh, Ellen Page, you'll never be with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe he disappointed a lot of his female fans, but uh, for, did nice not surprise. disappoint me. It was an, an affirmational movement. I don't, I'm making a word to describe how cozy Ben Wishaw mm-hmm. makes me. That's a good pick. All right, Ben Wishaw. Uh, mine's a little random because it's getting harder and harder to pick cozy celebrities. I think it's what our twenty seventh episode. Yep. So we've it's you know hard to come up with a cozy celebrity each uh, week or so. But uh, mine is Willie Geist. Willie <laughs> Geist. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, here's because I on Morning Joe. Joe Scarbo and Micah Brzezinski are so insane uh-huh. that he's such a calming force and he always some, says something that's so eloquent, heartfelt, and smart. Like, he tones down the insanity of Joe and Mika. Also, he just has this amazing Twitter presence where he's always tweeting cute things about his family. Mm-hmm. He's a workhorse. We love steady operators. <laughs> he's been on the, sure. the news scene for a really long time. He's paid his dues. And he has just a very easygoing demeanor and just overall calming presence. And I can't ever see Willie Geist going off the rails or doing some crazy bender, like losing it on Morning Joe. So I just like him. No, I, he's, he's, I'm always very relieved to see him filling. When he fills in on the, the Today Show, Yeah, he's always a welcome presence. He always says something that is, is smart. Like people just echo or parrot what other people say, but he says something. Like it's actually his own thought. Sure, yeah. And it's, it's always thought out and intelligent. It's not just like he's a talking head. Well, he, has, like. he has that quality of being the kind of newscaster who can be serious and, and, and have smart comments, but also be fun and, mm-hmm. and can do those early morning segments and have fun with them and not be annoyed like other horrible morning newscaster people who he, shall not be named. Yeah, he just seems genuine. That's what I like about Are him. Are you talking about freaking uh, Hoda? <laughs> <laughs> who I thought was... That, what I, how do I think her name was pronounced? Hoda Coda. Hoda Coda. Hoda Coda. Hoda Coda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we love Hoda Coda. She Kodia lives by strict Hoda Coda. She does. Strict Hoda Coda. I live by the strict Hoda Coda. Oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> same, same, same. A cozy celeb. I will pick Terry Crews, who testified Solid. before Congress or the Senate today about, oh, really? oh. about uh, sexual harassment laws. Cause That's right. He was a victim harassed. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, again, one of those men who's <laughs> who... Uh, you know, his body of work, but also his body and is built mm. in a way where it's like, I feel safe watching you. <laughs> I feel great. You are a sweet, soft man, even though you are hard as a rock. So I'll say Terry Crews. You like He's to great. feel safe with the your cozy celebrity. That's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. It's going to depend on him. I'm not going to go rewatch American Beauty anytime soon to feel <laughs> safe or House of Cards. Talking about Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, I always watch Kevin Spacey movies to feel safe and warm. Oh, yeah. I, the only one I liked that he did was when he played himself in Seven. See, I think his greatest performance was in Nine Lives. Oh, that's right that he did that movie. That's that like was his, the year it broke, too, what, or yeah, the year before. That'll be his last performance, is that cat? No, there's one coming out this year, this oh. summer. Really? Yeah, that he did with uh, 
Ansel Elgort or one of those like blandly hot. Oh, he was in Baby Driver too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Didn't yeah. they uh, take him out of one movie and redid his scene? Yeah, all what the money that? in the world. Oh, okay. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. No, Terry Crews is a great choice. He has the body of The mm-hmm. Rock and, and a heart of Paddington. I think so. I think I really think he does. Uh, I like him a little bit more than The Rock because, uh, yeah, I just like him. Well, he there's a sincerity and genuineness to him, but I, I always I'm a, I'm a little on edge with The Rock. I gotta say, and and no offense, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, if you're listening, but because he's a, he loves cozy things, so he there's he a good drives chance. off the, the cliff <laughs> while listening. Well, to he'll this. survive that though. Yeah, um, that's true. He'll find a way to get out of the car. He'll be the and only one that does. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't trust anyone who would agree to be in Ballers, so there's that element. Or get in feuds with the Fast and Furious cast. Yeah, or, that was it. weird. Or be the kind of person who's like, those critics don't know what they're saying, those yeah. trolls behind keyboards. Yeah, trolls. Or as Terry Crews says, like, insanely transparent things about his own life and marriage and how he cheated on his wife one time, but they made it work. And he talks to men about, like, pornography addiction set like he does like very interesting things specifically talking to men about like how they need to shape the hell up and that's important yeah it's i think it's extremely important and there's actually kind of a vacuum of that in a lot of culture now where it's like men speaking to men Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean it for how to actually sincerely respectfully treat others not just like a jordan peterson type for example (laughs) Oh boy! <laughs> Let's not end the podcast on Jordan uh, yeah, Peterson. Ah, uh, well, you Terry will end the podcast yeah. with <laughs> our candle review. So okay, uh, yeah. every every Take episode we <laughs> burn a candle, um, and we review it. Uh, and so uh, before we talk about the candle, um, I'll just explain our Byzantine rating system. And so the way that this works is we each have a wick to give. And I still need to just, I want to revise it. And I never, <laughs> I'm too late. I, I can identify the need to fix our rating system, but I'm too lazy to do anything about it. But here's how it, this is where it stands. Yeah. So each person could say, you could say it's a wick or a half a wick or no wick. So a wick is like mm-hmm. a thumbs up. A, a half a wick is like eh, sort, uh, sort of there, and a, and, a, and no wick is thumbs down. Okay, and so we could give a total of three wicks today because there are three of us, right? Okay. So h- out of three wicks, we'll see what our rating will be for this mm-hmm. candle. We each have the power to control one wick. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> but you go first. Okay. So um, the candle we're burning today is made by Candle Love. Um, it's a Tennessee company, and the scent is freshly squeezed oranges in honor of Paddington hey. and his obsession with marmalade, oh. which sat, I really wish I liked it, because I want to like everything that Paddington likes. But yeah, It's just a little bitter, but maybe yeah. it's just the jar we have. You know, it must be the, the taste buds that bears have can maybe handle. Well, he's so sweet, everything uh, tastes delicious That to has him. to be it. So it's a Sorwax candle. It's a beautiful orange color. I mean, the, the burn... The, good the way throw. It, is it good throw? Okay, so 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 th- again, the scent is freshly squeezed oranges, which is a bizarre scent. Like, I I, I would never have picked the scent if I didn't have like a podcast about Paddington happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so if you're if you're going to record a podcast about Paddington, I guess highly recommend this. Mm-hmm. The scent to me is a little bit overbearing. Bearing. It's it's oh <laughs> wow! It's an eerie. At first, it smelled like burning eerie. burning human hair. But I wonder if Where'd I just burn, burn, burn my own hand when I was lighting it. I think you it. I burned your own flesh. I don't smell burning hair. <laughs> but I think ultimately I'm getting like a very light orange creamsicle note to the sure. scent. That's kind of what I'm getting. What, what are you guys getting from this scent? Yeah, creamsicle. Smells about right. Well, we don't really like flowery scents. And that it's a little too perfumey for me. It's really light. 
I don't know. I guess you think it's overbearing. Yeah, I guess. What, what, what is the like what is the scent. note that you're getting? It, do you feel like it, it's? Are you? Do you feel like you're smelling? It's so weird to have like a a freshly squeezed orange scent, which to me is such a cold scent, and then have that come at you with some heat is kind of bizarre to me. But are you getting that? Is that like a? Um, uh, do you think it's? I guess I don't like fruity smells, so I'm just biased, probably. Is it is it true to? Its I would have been label? able to give a better review if we had done it right when I walked in the room, but mm. I'm so used to it by That's now. That's true. It's I'm not sure. Kevin, does, I Kevin think doesn't I remember like a time before the freshly squeezed orange candle. <laughs> time is past, present, and future all at once. It's definitely sweet. I'm getting a yeah. sweet note. Yeah. Um, but I like it. It could be way worse. I feel like we had that blood orange candle that oh, was Jesus horrendous. Christ. That was a mm. dark time. I mean, it, it is, It's to me, it's fine. I'm going to give it half a wick. I'm going to do half because like, Paddington. Because it, it, it fits the occasion. Mm-hmm. It's it's giving us what we wanted. So on brand. It does have throw, which I think, I'm just shocked that you could throw a sound like this and have it work. Mm-hmm. So, I, I didn't know what to expect. I'll give it half a wick as well. So fully, and I have to do some math, that's 1.5. 1.5. Out of three wicks. Oh, yeah. Not too shabby. So if you want to walk on the wild side, do the freshly squeezed oranges by Candle Love. That's right. Um, check that out. Mm-hmm. They, also, they do like every single scent. I was checking their website today, and it's just mason jars Candle filled up. with every imaginable scent. So check Wonderful. it out. Kevin, thank you so much for joining yeah, us thank today. Thank you for having me. What a delightful time. Yeah. <laughs> Where can so, people find you? Uh... Pasadena, California. My address is <laughs> one one two two Boogie Woogie Avenue. You can find me at Kevin T Porter everywhere on the internet, and you can listen to Good Christian Fun if you want to. It's wonderful. You should. I, we I won't love make your, you I go to church. Podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm a listener. Oh, thank you very much. Did I, you I, grow up Christian at all? I uh, Roman Catholic. Okay, and right so on. I. I really loved the episode about Hell House. It's my it's still my personal favorite. Very scarring. <laughs> very, very scarring. That was a very special movie that yeah. I had no idea existed until oh. your podcast. I think the movie itself is like fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, is like a lot of this stuff is good unto itself. But we try to be a Paddington about everything we do. Like look for the good in it. Yeah. Before we might look for the racist, sexist, misogynistic stuff. You you hope that everything's a holy toast. I I sincerely <laughs> do. I sincerely do. Yes. Also, some of the the most bizarre Christian songs uh, that you will play. At oh the my end. gosh, it's mm-hmm. a never-ending treasure trove. <laughs> treasure trove. Some of them rock. <laughs> um. So definitely check that out. It's a great podcast. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Maisel Goys, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel Goys will probably right. return when that show returns at some point. I'm a little less concerned about that because we have no set schedule. But we'll probably <laughs> drop them all in, in, uh, you know, after that comes out. So listen to Kevin's podcast. Follow him on, on Twitter. And you can follow us on Instagram at All Things Cozy Podcast. You can find us individually on Twitter. And you can find our podcast on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Yeah. The All Things Cozy Podcast group. It's growing. It is. A lot of people posting these days. It's a good vibe in there. Come mm-hmm. and join us. Leave us a review on um, Apple Podcasts. You know, I say that, but no one ever gave me a memo that it changed from iTunes. Oh, bro, that was like two years ago. I feel like the Elvis <laughs> Serious podcast got like an actual email being like, hey, by the way, like we're Apple Podcasts It does now. feel like that, doesn't and it? Then, and then all of us, like people who are just like running podcasts mm-hmm. out of our own apartments are like, well, I guess I got to call it Apple Podcasts now because yeah. I have to sound like I know what's happening. But Well, you know what's happening. No one gave you me know a memo. Up. But anyway... If you're ever on Apple, you know, I'm always on Apple Podcasts, just browsing. 
So if you're ever just browsing, looking for some podcasts, and you're like, oh, I, I love all things cozy. I'm going to leave a five-star review. I meant to do that. We'd love to hear from you, so go leave us a, a, a review on, on that site. And um, as always, you know, in, enjoy your orange marmalade. I hope you enjoy it more than we did. And stay cozy. Stay cozy. Stay cozy.